This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. Hi, Georgie here. In today's episode, I interview Dr. Jacqueline Tolentino of Parsley Health. She specializes in hormone optimization. And the reason why I wanted to speak with her is, as you all know from the podcast, having hormones balanced is extremely critical because when they're not in balance, We deal with a lot of frustrating and often debilitating symptoms and conditions. But I really wanted to get to the bottom of how a woman, if she's suffering from specific symptoms or has a condition that's been diagnosed but is really difficult to treat, how does she approach a clinician to be successfully treated, whether it's the symptoms or the condition or both? And this podcast evolved in such a special way, and I'm really excited to share it with each of you. Before we dive in, a couple of announcements. Number one... On November 23rd, it is the last episode of season one for the FemPower Health podcast. Additionally, I would really appreciate it if you would follow me on Instagram at FemPowerHealth. That is where I'm engaging with each of you to both share tips and tricks and updated episodes, but also get feedback from you so that I can continue to deliver the podcasts that are most helpful to solving the, uh, and answering the questions that you have. And of course, if you do have feedback, feel free to email me directly, georgie at fempower-health.com. And I'd like to thank our sponsor for this podcast episode, Hum Nutrition. They are a supplement company that provide unique formulas personalized to your needs and proven by clinical research. And the way that they personalize it to your needs is you take a quick quiz and they'll give you individualized product recommendations from their team of registered dietitians. And they're offering 15% off your first order of $29 or more for the FemPower Health Podcast listeners. Just enter code FemPower. And if you're curious, I just got my um, packet of supplements and the ones that were recommended to me were Arctic Formula, Mighty Night, and Uber Energy. So I'll let you take what you want from that. but I do agree with their recommendations. It does take anywhere between two to six weeks to work. So if you're curious on how that's going, feel free to reach out to me. And without further ado, let's talk to Dr. Tolentino from Parsley Health. Women tend to do research based on symptoms unless they're already diagnosed with a condition. So I have found even when I'm engaging with the consumer, if I ask questions like, tell me your greatest concern around your hormones, silence. But if I say, what's your greatest complaint, you know, and you know, like on Instagram with the polls, you can only do an A or B. So it's like, is it your, is it low libido or lack of sleep? You know, and people will respond because they get that it's familiar. And so what I Mm. thought we should do is focus on the symptomology that happens and maybe talking about what that means from a hormone perspective and then potential solutions and considerations. 
frankly, the way that I would approach it is if this was a woman or a man who was coming in with these symptoms, how do I explain it? Say, for example, it was fatigue, right? So there's just so many different possibilities there. And sure, there's absolutely some low hanging fruit from the surface that really could be contributing to somebody's fatigue. But then at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, there's just a lot that really should be fleshed out. And if somebody says I have fatigue, I have so many questions for them as a practitioner. I'm like, when do you get it? Is it worse in the morning? Is it worse after eating? Is it all day, every day? Is it just during your menstrual cycle? Is it directly after you're working out? Is it only certain meals that create it? And so like starting to get intuitive about when people are experiencing symptoms and how often they get them and what may also be associated. We teach that a lot. We really teach them to understand their bodies better so that they can also report some of these things to me and have more clarity and help me figure out exactly what's going on. What I'm noticing is even like on Facebook, it's, you know, what do you do for um, getting to sleep? What medication do you take? And people are just giving their list. And, um, and it's, it's fascinating because I've been in this space long enough and have interviewed, you know, almost three dozen experts so far just for the podcast. And here's what I will say. It's great from the perspective of before there was nothing, no discussion about any of this. There wasn't an avenue like social media, but my concern is that in this quick fix world we live in with social media, I think it leads to everything being a quick fix. And I'd love for you to talk about like what, so someone comes in to, to visit you, like what is your process besides the questions that you ask of really diagnosing? And maybe we can even do a case study here of woman comes in, you know, with a given symptom and what are the things you did? What were the things you uncovered and how did mm. she react to that? And yeah. what was able to change in her life? Cause I think women seeing this come to life might help paint the picture for what's truly possible outside of that quick fix. Sure. And then oftentimes the quick fixes may be short-lived, right? Like, oh, this girl was taking it. Let me try it. And then next thing you know, you're like, okay, this doesn't work for me. And so sometimes those lists can, um, can actually sabotage what you're really trying to uncover. So crash course, if somebody was to be seen uh, virtually and say, say the issue, like you mentioned earlier with sleep, I think it's important to really dial back and think how long the sleep has been an issue. So it's not just the questions surrounding how that person is experiencing it on a day-to-day basis. Like, are they waking up feeling refreshed? Do they wake up feeling tired? Is the sleep really trickled down into the rest of their day? But holistically, when we're looking at the human being, I'm also asking questions about work and work-life balance. I'm looking at micronutrient levels. I'm looking at hormonal function. I'm looking at signs of excessive inflammation. We're also asking questions about, and this is typically in that first visit too. So that initial consult, really dialing all the way to back. Like, have you always had sleep issues? Was it just after starting a certain medication? And how long have you been on that medication? Has the sleep issues been like, oh, ever since I was a teen or ever since college? And really pinpointing if there were specific turning points in somebody's life where that really started to contribute to a lot of the sleep issues. And oftentimes people don't really think about why do I have such bad sleep? Like what, what could be contributing to it? And when they read some of the checkoff lists or some of the things that other people are doing, 
you really have to take a step back and really think about yourself. Like, am I staying up late? Am I working and not shutting off that boundary between work and rest? What time am I eating dinner compared to what time am I actually sleeping? What's running through my head at the time that I'm trying to fall asleep? Do I really feel like I've put a lot of things on the back burner or am I like wired and like bright eyed, bushy tailed at 11 PM because I just watched a drama show like this is us. And I'm really torn up about what happened in that last episode. Right. You know, so Which definitely happens with that. I haven't watched it in a while, but <laughs> yes, I, I can, I remember the show and yes, I can see that happening. Yeah. Or, you know, um, and some people will choose to read. And then I also take into consideration, like, what are you reading? that really can propel some more thoughts rather than like trying to calm your body down before you go to bed. There's a book on trauma that I'm reading currently. It's called um, The Body Keeps the Score. Ooh. It was recommended by a colleague. And um, purpose of reading it was not even just for like encompassing life in general for every human being, but I really wanted to understand like what the effects are over time and how that manifests. And um, what I've learned about reading a book about trauma is that it's traumatic to read a book about trauma. So is that really the best thing that I should be reading before bed, right? Because then it has my brain thinking about the physiology of some of the things that it, these people are going through and what you read. Right. So there's just so many nuances. And over time, it could be layers and layers of things. It could be that the sleep issue had really been going on since college, but then a lot of the day-to-day -day habits haven't really been instilled in order for somebody to really have like consistent, good quality sleep that's restorative. Maybe there is something physiologically that's contributing there. And so part of uncovering it with just the basic labs is sometimes we dig into specialty testing. Sometimes if I feel like I need to order diagnostics, I do like sleep studies and so forth, but understanding it holistically versus just, okay, you're having trouble sleeping here. Let me give you this med. You really have to like really take a look at the big picture to see exactly what's going on versus it just being, Hey, let me just give you this medication and see if that works. Cause that's just band-aids, right? Lots and lots of band-aids. And over the course of time, people think that that quick fix of getting used to taking the band-aids is the solution. And then they're like, Oh my goodness, how do I get off of this medication? It has a slew of side effects and I'm experiencing all of those, even though now I'm sleeping, but now I have 10 other problems. <laughs> Got it. No, that makes sense. And when it comes to, I mean, let's talk about another symptom that I uh, see a lot is, um, you know, anxiety is a big one, obviously with COVID, uh, low sex drive um, mm -hmm. are two other big ones that I, I tend to see. And I'm curious, you know, what you're seeing as themes, like if there's a consistency or is it just, again, back to it, depends. So I'd love for you to walk through when someone comes in with you yeah. know, the anxiety and, uh, you know, maybe the low sex drive, which could be related, mm -hmm. um, what you're seeing. Yeah. So anxiety is a tricky one because it's every one of these symptoms is multifactorial. And so the causes are never just one cause. Usually it's a culmination of things or a layering of things. Sometimes anxiety could just be from situational and given this day and age with COVID and what we're concerned about, how we're internalizing some of these things, it really could be because of COVID and the situation we're in with quarantine. I mean, who wouldn't be anxious at a time like this, right? It's also how our body is able to like control some of the anxiety that we're experiencing and whether or not we feel like we're able to continue our day to day and control some of that. And for so many patients, 
honestly, Georgie, I get a ton of patients that are experiencing anxiety that had not before. So they're not used to feeling these new sensations in their body because prior to the anxiety was easily controllable. If there was a situation, they were able to handle it. And so now it's more like anxiety all of the time. It's almost like a blanket level of feeling nervous and anxious just because of the situation that we're in. So all the more reason to really examine and really talk through with individuals about where it's coming from and exactly why they're experiencing it. Are there certain triggers that are really adding fuel to the fire and making this worse? If we're anxious about you know, things that we're hearing in the news or what's happening politically or what's happening with COVID, then adding fuel to the fire by opening up your phone and reading about it before you go to bed, not a good idea, right? And so I do see a lot of the anxiety and also the decreased sex drive because anxiety can also manifest hormonally and it can create a lot of problems with the hormones. We think of anxiety also being heavily tied to the cortisol and the adrenaline response that happens through the adrenal glands. So if somebody is super stressed out and anxious all of the time, that will create and manifest in the body. We feel it all the time. Humans feel it with a gut-brain connection, cranial nerve from the, the brain that signals and innervates the diaphragm and the digestive tract. Sometimes that anxiety is manifesting in upset stomach, nervous bellies, acid reflux, bloating, and so forth. Sometimes it may be the hormonal connections, say it has to do with the way that the cortisol is elevated a lot more than it should be. And we're not having this resilience in the way that our body can respond to anxious or stressful situations. And next thing you know, it's affecting their thyroid. And that may also affect the way that their sex hormones are working, not like not quite working regularly. And oftentimes too, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little trick. It's so strange, but when it comes to decreased libido, you would think that it's like heavily tied to testosterone, right? So women that have high levels of testosterone, maybe they have like increased libido or way more libido than women that have low levels of testosterone, for example. I don't always see that in the lab work. So you'll have really? women, yeah, you'll have women that have rock bottom, low levels of testosterone, their body is not producing enough, whether that's through the ovaries or through the adrenal glands, for which we get a little bit of testosterone from there. And also helping to build up lean muscle mass and focusing on muscles and strengthening. And they'll have really low levels of testosterone, but guess what? Libido is on fire through the roof. That's not an issue, not at all. And you're like, hmm, that's strange because we've always like associated high testosterone, high libido, low testosterone, low libido. So there's that tie also between anxiety and also decreased libido where some of these other factors are at play, but then it could be situational. It could be intimacy. It could be relationship. And so all of those things also need to be discussed. So we often recommend that patients are really diving into that aspect of it too, because it's not always just focus on the data and looking at the data to really like say, okay, that's exactly how those symptoms are. Because time and time again, I've seen lower testosterone levels and women are not actually having these decreased libidos. They're having great libidos. Sex life is fine. They're not having those types of issues. And same thing with high testosterone. You're like, okay, your libido must be off the chain. Oh no, they still have low libido, you know? So that just goes to show you that it's not always like just based off of the labs. You're also thinking about relationships, socially, intimacy, like all of these other components that may also be contributing to some of those symptoms too. Lab work, I find it to be, again, one tool in the toolbox. 
just like medications are one tool, but really like fleshing out the details. There's a craft to it. Are you asking the right questions? Are the patients intuitive enough to really give you some of the answers and understand holistically what's happening for women with hormonal conditions? That's a big one. You know, were you having hormonal symptoms prior to getting on your birth control, prior to getting off the birth control? Like what has the pattern been throughout your life? Does your mom have certain conditions that may also have a genetic really like genetic predisposition to that may be part of your issue? How long were you on birth control? What other things could be contributing to poor hormonal regulation or function? Maybe we're eating junk, not eating well, not sleeping well, really fatigued throughout the day. Micronutrients are super depleted. The poor eating also created a lot of gut problems and now you're having symptoms here. So it becomes super complex, which is why it's never just like one answer here, take this one pill. It's we have to work through all of these things. And so working through all of these things, not a quick fix, right? This takes time for people to understand and also for us to educate them so that they really know the depths of how complex it is and how you really have to focus on it holistically versus just like, oh, let me just take this pill and think that that's going to be the answer. Yeah, no, it's, it's so true. And I think about, so I've had two journeys when it comes to chronic conditions. And, and to me, when you have these long-term symptoms, I would almost define those as chronic as well, right? It's, it, you know, as you're pointing out, they're not quick fixes. It's not, I, I can't sleep, take this pill, now you're fine. Um, but, you know, with fertility, and then now my son with potty training, I mean, he's five and still not potty trained. And I'm racking my brain over how to solve for this. And he's been to specialists, you know, two different hospitals. I live in New York city. I mean, you would think it's the best and trying to solve for it has been an absolute nightmare. And what I've found is, you know, look, I come from the biopharmaceutical industry. I'm comfortable with, you know, science. I was a chemistry major in college and even I get stumped like during my fertility journey, you know, I almost feel like if I'm not the expert already trained in this specific thing, I struggle with evaluating how to know who a good clinician is. So I'd love for you to talk about that. I do have some hindsight, but I'd love to hear your thoughts too, because you're seeing so many patients and I'm sure there's themes you're seeing by what they're coming at you with. So what guidance would you give women as they're assessing, like, am I getting the right care? Because even if the questions are asked, they may still get not the proper suggestions. Right. And I run into that a lot because patients are seeing multiple doctors and specialists to get, you know, some of their preventive testing done and things like that. I think you have to find a doctor who's open-minded and willing to listen because oftentimes by the time they come to see me at Parsley, they've seen many doctors and they never felt like anyone was listening to them. They've consistently reiterated that they're having some of these symptoms and the doctor, whoever it is that they may be seeing is like, that's nothing to worry about. Or I wouldn't worry about that. I don't think that that's contributing to your issue. But oftentimes too, you have to think about the doctor's training and whether or not they're open-minded. We are learning so much about the human body every single day. And so there is so much more learning to be done rather than, oh, I went to medical school. I did all my training then. I did it all in residency. And there isn't more that I need to learn. I've never felt that way about medicine. I've always felt like we should do our best to advocate and keep up with the times. 
and learn about these new modalities and learn about things that we may not have known before. So sometimes, you know, it could be that doctors can be narrow-minded. They just don't know. Maybe they just have no knowledge about it. And that can be scary because as a clinician and seeing patients for your doctor to say, look, I really don't know about that. That's hard, right? To just say that you don't know and say that to a patient that you're seeing and you're the medical professional, but all the more reason for doctors to be as open-minded as possible and work together because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to make this person well and not just well in the short term, but in order for them to be well for the rest of their life. And in order to do that, it can't be that doctors and specialists aren't trying to work together or are narrow-minded or are saying like this doctor may not know as much and so forth. So I have a tendency, and I'm sure a lot of doctors do that think this way. If it's something that I'm not sure of or don't know, I usually will say, look, I'm really not experienced with that, but I'm going to look it up and I'm going to like do my research and do my due diligence and get back to you. And one thing I love about the practice that I'm in is that if it's something that I don't know, or I'm not experienced with, I have a beehive of like more than 30 functional and integrative doctors who are board certified in a deep rooted, like a family medicine or an internal medicine, and have all gone through their own journey as to the reason why they've chosen to work for Parsley and also practice this kind of medicine, an integrative model, a functional medicine model. So in my eyes, our doctors have this added lens. It's never like we've never gone back to the grassroots of family practice and me knowing how to diagnose and treat conditions with medications if needed. It's really, how can you expand and open your mind to see that there's other possibilities for ways to support and treat people that are really looking to heal. And it's not short-term fixes. It's really like over the scope of time that really some of these things evolve. And as I'm sure you know, in your own healing journey, as is mine, it was never a quick, about the quick fix. Even though in my head, I thought that was the answer. I'm like, oh no, that, this, this is it. I just need this one thing. Once I got sick and really took a step back, I realized that there was so many things that were really involved. And it wasn't just that I needed one medication or I just needed you know, one supplement. It was the foundation of my body that just needed so much work. And that included mental health, that included stress relief, included work-life balance. But then under the lens, of those that blanket of baseline labs. It also included, how is my body holding on to toxins? Am I detoxifying well? Or am I like recirculating some of these toxins back in? What is my gut microbiome doing? How are my cells working? Do my cells actually work really well? Are they efficient and working well or not? And as a, since I'm a breast cancer patient, my cells were not working well. And so getting that into better shape and figuring these things out, you realize that some of these underlying things like systemic inflammation, oxidative stress throughout the body, microbiome imbalance, it's dependent on nutrients. It's dependent on stress. It's dependent on what kinds of foods were I, was I actually eating. It's dependent on how I lived my day to day, what kind of environmental toxins were around me that my body wasn't able to get rid of well, that was instead harboring in my tissues. To really understand that aspect of it, you need a doctor who is patient with you because we also have to be patient with patients. They're coming from so many different levels of education. Some really want you to explain things thoroughly. You need time and you need a doctor who is open-minded, who's really willing to listen to you and who's open-minded about teaching you what you need to know to really establish the best foundation for your body to move forward with.
it's not easy to find that. But, you know, thankfully, like I've joined a group where I feel like our doctors, that's our number one goal. And that means working with their primary doctors, working with their specialists and working together. If we have to make phone calls so that we really feel like we're collaborating and on the same page, we really are. And so I would encourage all doctors out there to really have that open mind about healing and how some things we can't explain. There are some people where they've gone through so much in their life and from a healing process, you might not be able to pinpoint it down to exactly what the mechanism was. It may be that holistically, they just did so much to really revamp everything going on in their body. And all of that synergistically created better health and better health outcomes. But one thing I would like to add is in my own journey, specifically now with my son, I took him to a specialist that I'd never even considered. It's a pediatric acupuncturist. I will tell you in this very long journey of potty training, I felt so different there. And he made no promises. Like he said, give me eight weeks, weekly visits. That first appointment, he gave me an action plan that didn't involve the typical take Miralax and Xlax as if you're an adult. It was a different plan. And he said, I'm not saying I'm going to cure him. You may still need to do the expensive diagnostic testing, but you probably don't need to rush because I have found enough that we can work with to see what potential next steps are. And so, like you said, he admitted he's not going to change the world he acknowledged, he, but he was knowledgeable about what he could do. And I felt that he would tell me what's next. And I just, my son let him do anything. Like he was able to wow. poke and prod him without complaint. It was wow. just the most amazing appointment. And I, I guess one thing I would say to women listening is when you feel that, that's also when you know, because we do have our instincts and we just have to create that space to listen to them. And I will tell you that appointment, I'm like, Now I know when I feel this way, I'm at the right place. When I don't, I have to find another doctor. And same thing goes for me. Like, look, I'm a patient myself, you know? So when I'm talking to doctors too, and my doctors, you really have to establish that trust. If you feel like there's something off or the energy isn't there, or it's just not the right fit, then keep looking, you know, be hopeful. You will find somebody that you click well with that is working synergistically with you that you really feel on the same page with who's going to collaborate with you. Sometimes I think people have the wrong idea that doctors are up here and patients are down below. The model is shifting. We're actually on the same page trying to work together because the patient has all of the answers for me. You're telling me all of your symptoms. You're telling me how frequent you're having it. You're telling me your life story. And so this is really like a team effort, a collaboration. And the added layer that we've added at at Parsley is to also include health coaching. That is such an important thing to help support patients all along that journey. Physiologically, I'm able to explain and spend time explaining what's happening to patients, helping them diagnose, working through specialty tests, interpreting what I see from a data perspective. But when it comes to all of the lifestyle changes, consistency is key. And so having a health coach to really add that layer of care, this is why our team approach is really the wave of the future. So it's not just that you forget what your doctor had said and you kind of just like forget it and like move on to the next three months until your next appointment, but you're actually implementing a lot of those strategies consistently. 
And so health coaching is really great for that. I love our girls for that. That's awesome. So tell us more about Parsley Health and how in your journey, you, you indicated about you, you know, your own health journey and how you made transformations and, and learnings, but I know it also led you to the work that you're doing today. So for those who don't know Parsley Health and uh, specifically your journey, and, and I know you focus a lot on hormone health. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, Parsley Health, we're a functional integrative medicine practice. I personally practice in Los Angeles and I see patients virtually in California and also patients from Florida. And right now Parsley is located in 45 of the 50 states. So we have doctors across the country that are also seeing patients with this whole person, holistic perspective that's really focused on prevention and whole body wellness. And so we have many different types of tools. We've got health coaching support, doctors that have this added lens to really take a look deeper when it comes to somebody's health, really looking at root causes of disease, the how and the why. So really more on the physiology and the mechanism of action as to why people have certain disease states, whether that's PCOS or endo or whatever the case may be. Maybe it has to do with their headaches. Maybe there's other diseases like even cancer prevention and support. So we combine the cutting edge diagnostic tools, doctors and health coaches to support our patients with this really personalized holistic care. And with this virtual practice, we're able to see patients in virtually across the country now. And we have different models and different types of services that we offer from short program model, which is roughly around four months of really getting like kind of like a baseline peek into one specific condition that a person is trying to understand better to complete care models where patients see us year over year to really help maintain and manage their health and focus more on the preventative model about what could happen or what can happen in the future and how you can really lay down the best foundation for your body to establish itself and keep propelling forward. And I specialize in hormone optimization. Hormones were my first love. And the reason why I felt it was so important was because no matter what stage a person was in, in their life cycle, no matter what age, whether they were teenagers, getting to know their body, trying to understand their physiology about what their hormones were doing versus their twenties and thirties, or even fertility journey, or even when it comes to menopause and what exactly is my body doing now? And why is this happening? I felt that no matter what age, somebody was going to be dealing with these hormonal issues. And then little did I know that that was really one piece into the model of integrative and functional medicine care, because we don't just focus on hormones and functional medicine. We're looking at stress response. We're looking at what's happening with oxidative stress in the body. We're looking at inflammation. What is the immune system doing? Is there resilience there? And we're looking at the function of all the different organs. So that was like my first love was hormones. And I've kind of just continued to gravitate through it, especially in my age as I'm like also going through my hormonal changes and the way that breast cancer really affected that. So I was originally diagnosed back in 2016 and I didn't get a peer into integrative and functional medicine until after my diagnosis. And I think the reason why was because I went through traditional routes to help to support my disease state with cancer and what I was going through. But then I wanted to do exactly that, lay down the foundation for my life so that it wouldn't happen again. And so what could I do differently so that I don't experience this again? And in order to do that, you really have to take a look at everything deeper, not just that surface level of looking at the basic blood work, like physiologically, 
what wasn't working well in my body at the time that I was diagnosed. And the more research that I did, it really led me down to the functional medicine path because it's not like I ever forgot about the general family medicine care. It's very much rooted in the way that I practice today. It's just learning so much more when you think about cellular health and mitochondria, what's going on from a DNA perspective, trying to understand how my genes kind of played a role there, if that was the case, really looking into my estrogen metabolism, what was my liver and my gut microbiome doing? And on top of that, how was I living? At the time that I was diagnosed, hindsight is always 50, 20, 20, right? You look back and you're like, I thought I was healthy and I thought I was living the way that I was supposed to live. And you're like, oh no, I ate horribly. I had work-life balance issues. I was sleeping horribly, waking up feeling super stressed. I felt like my hormones were out of whack. I was on birth control for so many years. You know, what impact did that have on the course of like, you know, 15 years on my health and depletion of certain micronutrients? Was my thyroid up and running and working well? Well, my metabolism was really slowed down and I was having some constipation and the weight gain and I was eating horribly to make this all worse, you know? So a lot of that journey for me, and it's like that I think for a lot of practitioners that really look to a functional and integrative model really came from like my own health experience. I had been in my early thirties, never sick, never hospitalized, never saw doctors except to have my annual checkups. And then all of a sudden you hit with breast cancer and you're making a decision within months to do a double mastectomy. It was a lot to take in and really looking at the why was so important for me because I didn't want to be one of those women who just listened to what people said and was like, phew, the doctors told me that the cancer is gone. I'm feeling okay. I'm recovering. I can go back to living my life. If you go back to living that life, that life with such poor foundation, you're going to find yourself back in the same position. And my mom has had breast cancer twice. She had it 20 years apart. I didn't want to be put in that position. And so for me, it was so, so important that I really swallow my pride look back at how that life was at the time that I was diagnosed and look at everything that was happening. And that meant doing additional testing so that I could understand my body better. And then that's why I really kind of just trajectory of my family medicine career really just kind of propelled itself more to functional medicine because of that. I feel like I was giving patients enough too, you know, to really get to know somebody in this capacity, you have to have time to do that, to dedicate to each individual patient to do. So, yeah, no, it, it is unfortunate that with the way doctors are reimbursed today from the traditional medicine perspective, how that impacts, you know, the time that they're able to dedicate to patients. And it is frustrating because I have found that the ones I've been able to work with that have the time and dedication, it's out of pocket, out of network, cash paying, and it's really frustrating. And I, the way I've just dealt with it is I feel a heck of a lot better than I ever have. I have a lot more awareness uh, about my body, all the different specialties or um, practitioner types serve different purposes. And I think we just have to keep creating awareness about that so that people can do right by their own health. Agree. And sometimes even specialists, when they refer patients to see us at Parsley, like I have some specialist colleagues and they'll send patients to see me. 
specifically for certain things that they're trying to deal with, I'll ask them why. And they'll say, because you have a lot of time that you can dedicate to really getting to know the full picture, I'm a specialist in this particular instance, whether it's like GYN or urology or whatever the case may be, a GI doctor. And they feel like there's still limitations. And we all do as doctors, there's always limitations. We are all always learning, but just having the time to just focus on the full picture versus just focused on one sliver of what's happening. In my opinion, I feel like that is a better model. And that's why I've chosen to practice it and really dedicate the rest of my career to practicing this way versus really just this narrow model of 15 minute appointments and hi, how are you doing? Okay, we've adjusted your blood pressure. Two minutes to even have this conversation and maybe there's a prescription, maybe there's a dosage increase and I will see you in three months, you know? It just didn't, it didn't fit for me. And I didn't really feel good about the fact that I felt like I had so much more to offer to really understand somebody's physiology better and the time constraints. They're just, they're just there. And I, I couldn't battle with that. Right. No, that is challenging. And I appreciate you sharing this. So if you were to give women one bit of advice uh, or like the wish that you would have for them around having just better health and optimizing, dealing with symptoms, what advice would you give to women? I want them to learn as much as possible and never give up hope and have an open mind because as frustrated as you feel for some of the symptoms that you're experiencing, there are people out there that are really looking forward to helping you and making those connections and listening to podcasts like this one, Georgie, you have so many resources that you've really provided for so many women to be able to educate themselves with trusted practitioners where they really are going to get to the depth and the root cause of what exactly is going on. It's never been that we should just put a Band-Aid. That's unfortunately the way that it has been, but that's not really where we want to go with health. If you want to really establish better foundations within an individual's body, they have to learn about their body. And they have to understand that these symptoms, if you are experiencing any sort of symptom, your body is talking to you and is telling you that there is something wrong. This doesn't seem right. If you're having frequency of symptoms, learning and educating yourself on what those things could be and finding trusted practitioners to really help you navigate the waters of the depths of what you need to know about yourself. We are out here. We're here. We're ready. We're looking forward to it. This is what so many of us have dedicated our careers to. And it's, again, like you, like you said, not bashing one type of medicine or another. All types of medicine have a place. But for those that are really having these debilitating issues that they haven't felt like they've found the answers to, there are doctors that are willing to listen to you. You may not have connected with them yet, but you can and you will. And part of that really does imply that this is a team effort that patients have to understand and learn about their physiology and know that there are warning signs. If you're having irregular cycles, if you're having any type, any type of symptom that is having this frequency and severity, and you want to know why that is, you want to see doctors who also have the philosophy of understanding the why and seeing doctors that really kind of um, align with your philosophy and your beliefs, you will find us. <laughs> we yeah, are out absolutely. here really looking forward to that. And that's the kind of medicine we practice. No, that's wonderful. And I, I always enjoy connecting with you. It's, it's a, always a soothing conversation 
conversation and I certainly feel taken care of. So thank you for your time. And, you know, again, I'm sorry for the battle that you had with breast cancer, but look at the good that you're doing for yourself and your long-term health, as well as all the people that you're helping. So thank you for doing something with that journey. Thanks, Georgie. 